The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. everyone welcome to the barca blog on this podcast my name is josh i am joined by matt wiltsey of managing madrid matt appreciate you joining me hey no problem and we are here to do a, a pretty quick recap of the el clasico that occurred today a zero zero draw um just real quick, just going to do a quick kind of overview. Uh, kind of the, the pre-match breaking news was that Rakitic replaced Busquets. We found out afterwards that he had some sort of a fever. And so that was the uh, the immediate adjustment before the match. Uh, Madrid, I think we can both agree, kind of dominated the first half. Barcelona were just kind of left hanging on by threads. And deep in their half, didn't really have much of a counterattack. The midfield is pretty outplayed, I think. Um, I guess before we get into some specifics, kind of who was your man of the match? Who was the person that you look for for Real Madrid that kind of dominated things? So for me, I think there's two guys I would pick out in this match for Real Madrid. One being Rafael Varane. I thought he was immense, and he's a guy that probably goes under the radar a lot of times. But today, uh, he was just a rock at the back. I think he did a tremendous job in dealing with Luis Suarez. I mean, we all know just how tricky a player Suarez is, and um, those two had a good battle. And then the other one was Casemiro. My God, Casemiro is just this year he's been performing at another level. In my opinion, he's been the best defensive midfielder in the world, and uh, he was just he was a colossus today. I would agree with that. I think Casemiro was incredible. Uh, the other player that somewhat impressed me, um, and I, I guess as a as a Madrid writer, you're, you're well aware of the uh, kind of the, the stigma that comes around him. But I did feel that despite <clears throat> the lack of offensive production that Bale put out, I think he was incredibly important defensively in terms of uh, Real Madrid were exposed a little bit with how... <clears throat> And I think a lot of people are exposed with how strange Messi has been playing as of late with this weird, like, right central midfielder role. He's roaming in the midfield more than ever. And I think Bale did a great job of kind of counteracting some of the imbalances that Messi can bring along um, for any opposing defense. But I think Bale worked incredibly hard tracking back, and he was very impressive. Yeah, and I think that Bale probably had tactically one of the most difficult roles in the game for Real Madrid because he was basically tasked with man-marking Jordi Alba and there are a couple times where Messi and that Messi-Jordi Alba connection we know is just so lethal oh my god and uh, there are a couple times where Messi did find Jordi Alba and he was through and that was just purely down to a lack of concentration on Bale's part but uh what Zidane had Carvajal and Bale do was Carvajal was basically man marking Griezmann if he dropped centrally or dropped even as far back into um no matter how, how no matter how far back he dropped Carvajal was there he was his shadow and then likewise Bale was just all over Jordi Alba it was a man marking scheme and on the flip side of that though Bale then was tasked with having to be kind of the outlet on the counter attack and get up the field some 80 yards up the field as fast as he could 
Um, and so <laughs> from just a purely physical standpoint, he probably had the most demanding job of anyone for Real Madrid. Was anything shocking for you in terms of how Madrid lined up? Because when I did, I did a little preview podcast this morning and the, the thing that I thought they were going to do, I thought they were going to go with some kind of four, three, two, one or four, three, one, two, excuse me. And I thought that in the number 10 role, they were going to have Modric's play. Were you surprised by his lack of involvement? Uh, believe it or not, the person I was surprised who was included was Gareth Bale, actually. I thought Rodrigo would probably get the nod. Um, but I understand Zidane's decision. He went with the experience of Bale and um, looking to utilize his pace. Um, but Modric actually, I mean, we had, the only reason why I wasn't surprised with Modric is because we had not seen Zidane roll that out yet. He's played, obviously, with four central midfielders. He's done against PSG, Valencia, um, you name it, the last couple of games. But that was with Isco at the tip of the diamond, playing that number 10 role, kind of playing that inverted left winger, right winger role. And we haven't really seen Luka Modric in that position at all this year. So that's the only, I didn't think Zidane would roll that out. Um, for the first time against Barcelona. But that being said, at the same time, with Zidane, you never know. I mean, he's one of those managers that will just pull something out of nothing. Yeah. The Bale thing was a little bit surprising to me as well. I I guess I wasn't surprised in so much as because of how... How Real Madrid's attack was, I, I don't think crippled is the right word because they're still Real Madrid, right? And they can still, they're still potent offensively, but it's a different sort of offensive potency, at least. And I haven't really gotten a chance to watch a ton of Madrid this year, especially with the Hazard edition. Obviously, he wasn't there today, but do you think that the bail, um, the bail involvement was more so to have someone who had been in a Clasico before who could play at the wing position? Um, because Vasquez and Hazard were both out, so you didn't have two of your big game players. And so Dan just wanted some sort of player he know he could count on consistently. He might not razzle-dazzle like he used to, but at least you're, you know you're going to get a solid performance, and that was it. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Josh. I think um, that's pretty much what he was looking for. He went for experience over youth. Uh, he knew that Bale's played in this type of environment before Bale's produced in this type of environment. Bale knows what it's like playing at the Camp Nou, and so um, I think that's kind of what edged it for him, and, and he played well. That's why he played the vast majority of the game. I think it was up to the 79th minute, so um, he played well. He did his job. He stuck He stuck to his role, so I think that is why Zidane gave him just, just gave him the nod. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about Mendy. Um, he was the only Real Madrid player that, to me, looked a little bit out of place in certain scenarios. Um, there were obviously all, you know, mis- mistakes are made here and there, but he was the only one who didn't look like he knew the tactical side of the match. Um, he didn't really know how to press Sergio Roberto in different spaces. Messi kind of wore him out a little bit, although Messi, you know, wears everyone out when Messi roams in such strange places. Um I feel like, you know, Ramos and Varane and Casemiro did a good job of kind of covering for his mistakes, but he was the only player that looked a little bit out of place there. Yeah, and so especially in the first 30 minutes or so, I'd say Mendy really struggled uh, with the tactical side of the game. Uh, Like you said, he was kind of caught in between two minds because Sergio Roberto would be kind of tucked in on that right flank and then Messi would still be occupying some space behind him. And I partly blame Sergio Ramos and Casemiro on that because they weren't quick enough to shift over. Ramos should have 
been pushing Mendy out to press um, and shifted over to Messi while Casemiro should have dropped off into that center back position. But they were all kind of uh, caught ball watching and slow to communicate, slow to transition over. And I mean, we all know that it's a game of small details of seconds. And if you don't make those switches mentally, then you're going to be caught out. And I thought Mendy was kind of caught between two minds far too often in the opening 30 minutes. That being said, I do think as the match wore on, I think he grew into it. I think he was better defensively. Um, offensively, I think he he did what I think he had like three completed dribbles, which was amongst uh, the highest on Real Madrid. But what I didn't like was his final ball, his final cross. I just I didn't think his distribution was great in the final third, and um, that was probably be another critique of mine on on Mendy. Yeah. So the other. The thing of note um, that I saw, so about, I think around the 65th minute, I saw a stat on Twitter. It was either on Twitter or on the broadcast that Real Madrid, I think, were up like 13 to 2 in terms of total shots. And how do you, I guess, how do you judge Real Madrid's offense when they have turned into, and I guess they, they were like this with Ronaldo to some extent, but uh, it didn't feel like they were as much like this last season where they're just an incredibly cross heavy team. And so if they're not getting, the shots in the box, like a lot of those shots felt like they were outside the box and they weren't as incredibly offensively constructive as a Real Madrid team usually is. Do you, are you happy with the way that Real Madrid played today offensively? And I guess, and something I want to talk about at large too, is you wrote a good piece on your site about the Real Madrid's mental toughness, um, which I, I find pretty interesting in terms of especially how they play offensively. Um, this season's been very interesting because um, again, I haven't watched a ton of Real Madrid, but I don't think Eden Hazard has necessarily done everything that um, would have been hoped from him thus far and the mental toughness that Real Madrid usually have. Like, did you see, I guess, so scrap the first question. I just want to talk about mental toughness. Did you see a mental toughness out of Real Madrid today that you were hoping to see? Because as someone who covers Barcelona and Real Madrid's mental toughness has certainly been something of question. I saw, at least from my perspective, a mentally tough Real Madrid team who can come in and play a game where um, they, they probably should have won it, but still to go into... Barcelona's fortress and to play this well like they always have like they're a pretty consistent team here I saw a mentally tough Real Madrid team absolutely um I think I mean we think back to just last March after we played Barcelona three times and then played Ajax and got knocked out of the Champions League basically there was a week there where a season defining week which our we failed and our season was over in March or February and that hasn't happened in how many years and the team since that moment I mean they were just shattered and mentally the psyche of this team like you could feel it whenever they went a goal behind you could see them going oh no it's happening again oh no and the fans the same way the Barnab the Bernabeu would get nervy anxious and that energy it was just like a negative energy a cloud around the team and the stigma that they couldn't get rid of all season last year and even at the start of this season preseason I mean how can you forget the 7-2 loss to Atletico and just our awful preseason awful start to the season where we lost the PSG 3 nothing. so I think everyone was just worried we're like, oh no, it's happening again. And they, there was just this negative commentary, this negative stigma. And now, finally, slowly but surely, Zidane has kind of worked his magic and it, it's what he's known for. This is what he does. He prioritizes the psychological side of the game and he prioritizes that mental fortitude, that mental toughness. Mm -hmm. And uh, he gives his players confidence. He, you know, like, look at Isco. I mean, Isco was in the wilderness with Solari. He was 
injured and just wasn't playing well under Lopetegui. I mean, now he's he's slowly getting back into his groove. Casemiro was awful last year. He's immense this year. Cruz, same thing. Carvajal, same thing. Varane, all these players are finally starting to rediscover their form and uh, honestly that's a testament to Zinedine Zidane because we went through Solari we went through Lopetegui these are two managers that couldn't figure it out and Zidane has and I think it's because he does prioritize um, confidence mentality all of that above anything else and some people slate him for his tactics but I, I, honestly I think when you're at that high level, when you're at the highest level, the Barcelona, the Real Madrid, it's all about confidence. It's all about believing in yourself and playing your game. Yeah, perfectly said. So going into the match, what did you expect from a Real Madrid side? Did you expect them to come in and win? Were you hoping for a draw? Because at least from the Barcelona side, uh, I was hoping for a draw. That was kind of the kind of the low, like, or excuse me, kind of the... The expectation that I had said after they've had a really difficult recent stretch of games, they're still figuring out things somehow under um, Valverde. Everyone wants them gone, but they're just kind of they're just kind of slowly riding things out till difficult games in the Champions League come along. And I was just hoping for a draw. So things things went pretty well from a Barcelona side, at least from my perspective. Did you were you happy with this result from Real Madrid side? Did you think they could have done better? Like obviously there were a few close chances on either side, especially with the uh, with the lack of VAR stuff from Real Madrid perspective, but were you happy with this result? Yeah, I am happy with this result. I mean, if you would have asked me before the match, would you take a draw? I would say absolutely. I mean, a draw at the Camp Nou will take it. Um, <clears throat> that being said, my thoughts before the match um, was I was worried about Barcelona because really, even though, even when they, yeah, even when they don't play well, they still manage to, I mean, that front three, even Griezmann, he's not really fit into Barcelona yet, but he still manages even away uh, against Sociedad this past weekend. He found a way to get a goal, clear through, and and that was against the run of play, in my opinion. And so I felt like Barcelona, time and time again, against Atletico, same thing. They, they're really, they're up against the cosh. They're maybe not playing the best that they can, but somehow they that attacking trident they're just so good that they find a way particularly obviously Messi and Suarez um so that's what I was worried about I was worried that like I could see Real Madrid actually if we played with Isco which we did obviously that I could see us actually controlling the tempo of the game trying to dictate um kind of the flow of the match but I could see Barcelona potentially exploiting us on the counter attack and i mean whenever a team has messy in it you just you automatically know that there's a chance that some bad things could happen to you so um that, that was kind of the worry so yeah absolutely a draw i'm happy with now that the game's over uh, i'm still happy with the draw i think madrid like you said was probably the better side I think Barcelona grew into the game in the second half and um, they had their fair share of opportunities. And so, but with all that being said, I, I do think Madrid probably could have, could have nicked it, but a draw, a draw is not bad. Yeah, for sure. I think it was one of those things where there was certainly some ugly football being played in the second half, like Real Madrid pretty thoroughly dominated the first half. And I think as the second half came on, I don't think either side played their best form of football. I think if they're going to look back at this uh, at this match and they're both going to feel a little bit bad about certain opportunities that they had that weren't capitalized on is the is the coverage that's already taking place after the match about the lack of, you know, VAR being brought in about the penalty. Like, is that is that warranted? Do you think um 
I mean, I don't. Honestly, I wasn't. There have been other Barcelona games where I've been more outraged about this. Like this one, I. Yeah, maybe you could have called it. Probably should have called it, but I wasn't. Even in the moment, I didn't feel like it was that big of a deal. Like other Barcelona games, when, for instance, I think back to maybe it was a couple of years ago when, uh, like first minute in the camp, new Mascherano fouls. I think it was Lucas Vasquez and no call, and it was as clear as day foul in the box and no call. And so there's been moments like that where I wish we had VAR, and it was just infuriating, and you're livid after the match, but. For this particular instance, I, honestly, I I think it's maybe is. I mean, you know, the Spanish media is going to be overblown, but I think from most um, level-headed Madridista perspective, I think we we kind of know it's you. That one's hard to get called, and it is what it is. Like we weren't um, crying about it after the match. Yeah, one of the one of the things that um, a, a listener asked this question yesterday um, was, was about the midfield versus the midfield for Barcelona versus Real Madrid, and whether I thought Barcelona's midfield was up to the task of keeping up with Real Madrid's excellent midfield. Uh, the midfield Real Madrid fielded today was obviously Isco, Cruz, Valverde, and uh, Isco, um, and I can't remember if I said Casemiro. But anyways, I thought that. <sighs> Real or Barcelona's midfield is a little bit difficult to categorize because if you're going to include Messi in a midfield, like obviously you say they can stack up against them. But when you're matching Real Madrid's midfield, which to this day is still one of the best midfields in the world, I was every time I watch them play, I'm impressed by them. And in a match like today where Modric doesn't even feature that much, I think he played what, like 11 minutes or something like that? Um, yeah. Yeah, 11 minutes of the match. Okay. I was blown away again by the consistency that this midfield plays in tough environments when even when things are ugly, when things are chaotic, when there's holes in the defensive scheme, which there weren't really that many holes like we talked about, you know, Mende, that was that was pretty much it. And even he was he wasn't horrible, but the way that they're able to recover from strange little things happening on the pitch is still just in awe to watch. And it was fun to see them match up against Barcelona's midfield, which is still in some sort of weird transition. Like obviously Busquets wasn't there. Uh, the young got his first taste of a Clasico match. It was incredible watching those two teams clash up against each other. And especially in the midfield who, who in the midfield besides Casemiro were you impressed by? Because I think Casemiro's, you know, he's, I think you said this in your player ratings and you said he's the best defensive midfielder in the world right now. And I, I can't help but disagree with you. He's fantastic. Who were you impressed by in the Real Madrid midfield besides Casemiro? Well, Josh, I'm interested to get your take on what you thought of the overall midfield battle. And I actually thought Rakitic was brilliant for Barcelona. I thought he played that pivot role. We're not allowed to say that on this podcast. Um, the uh, The listeners have turned on Rakitic. They've gone full. Uh, they've gone full revival against them. He's he's gone. Oh my god! I don't. Yeah, see, I'd never understood that because I think Rakitic is a great player, but I I know that there is just a full rebellion against him in Barcelona circles. Never really understood it, but uh, I thought he was great. Um, I thought just from honestly, I can't pick anyone out because I thought Fede. Cruz and Casemiro are all brilliant. I mean, Fede Valverde this season has just been unbelievable. I mean, look at those two volleys he hit. Are you kidding me? Like, mm -hmm. he connected with them perfectly. Um, and he just – he brings – this energy, this engine, this life to the midfield that we've been so desperately lacking last season. I mean, the midfield just looked tired and lethargic last year, and it looked like veteran kind of old legs, and he just brings this freshness and this energy and everything. I, I love Fede Valverde, and he, he seems to have 
have it all. Um, and so his speed, his just athletic ability coupled with Casemiro, like you said, allows us to kind of, even if we make a mistake, we can, re- we can usually recover just because of those two. Um, but no, I thought, I mean, I actually thought after watching the Sociedad match that, because uh, if you told me at the first half of that Sociedad Barcelona match, I would have picked Sociedad's midfield. I thought Guevara, Mikel Marino, and Odegaard just outclassed them. Um, but in this particular game, I thought Barcelona did a much better job of competing, and I thought uh, it was a pretty even midfield battle. But I'm interested to get your take on that. Yeah, I, I think from a results perspective, like obviously, you know, no large mistakes were made from the Barcelona side. I still. When I still watch the Real Madrid midfield, I'm still more blown away and more impressed by them. Like, I think Rakitic, I agree. I think he played really well today. Like, I'm still... I think the the rebellion against Rakitic is more so just because people hate hearing someone complain about wanting to leave and about playing time and all that stuff. But in terms of his play on the pitch... I still think he can maintain a consistency, and I think you saw that today where he's a world-class midfielder when he needs to be. Um, the one the one thing that's a little bit iffy to me is Roberto. I don't think he I I don't know. I, I don't think he played that well. Like he didn't he didn't do anything that, you know, that appalling, I would say, but he's the only person that I felt like was a little bit out of place when I saw those two midfield mats, midfields match up against each other. And even that wasn't that out of character, but he was the one guy that I was a little bit kind of eh on. And there wasn't anyone like that in the Real Madrid midfield that I thought looked out of place or looked like they could be doing something better. They were... To say they're a well-oiled machine sounds like a little bit over-flattering, but even in chaos, they look like they know what they're doing and there is intentionality behind what each player is doing. And I think the Barcelona midfield is still figuring that out. And they, uh, they have more pieces to figure out. I think the the weird combination of Rakitic and Vidal and not knowing who's going to be there and who's not. I don't, I don't think Real Madrid really have those problems. I think they kind of know who they are in the midfield and um, they don't know who they are in the attack right now. And the midfield is the, at least from watching today, the midfield and the, uh, the defensive core are the strong, the strong points of that team. And that, uh, that really showed up today. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that assessment. And I think uh, it, it's interesting to hear this Barcelona perspective and see how, like, how you guys think about the midfield. And uh, when I look at when I look at it and kind of put put it in that perspective, I agree with you. I think it is. It does seem like you're still trying to figure it out. And so, what what do you think is probably? How do you see the second half of the season kind of unfolding in La Liga? I don't know. I'm glad you asked that question because I didn't want to kind of talk about things moving forward. Obviously, things are tied at the top of the table with Barcelona only ahead on goal differential. I think Real Madrid's defense with how, because I think they've only allowed, what, 12 goals this year? I'm looking at the table right now. That's only, only two more than Atletico Madrid. The Real Madrid defense... And maybe you can tell me this. I I personally, every time I see Thibaut Courtois make a mistake, I find it funny just because I, uh, b- before I started writing consistently, I was a Chelsea fan. And so I was uh, bitterly kind of hoping he would fail when he moved to Real Madrid. But the fact that the defense is this consistent for Real Madrid, I think will pay off well. Like unless Barcelona can figure out something, um, something more suitable in the midfield. And I, I don't even know what that is. It's just some level of consistency. I think you've seen the youngsters for Barcelona uh, play well. And I think 
the Valverde rotations and how weird he substitutes players, I think really, really affects them in games like the Real Sociedad match. Like there wasn't, there wasn't necessarily anything he did specifically wrong in that match, but I think that the way that he positions them on a regular basis relies on Messi to do something special when they're in weird games like that. And Messi was great today. I think he redeemed his kind of awkward performance against Sociedad, but it's two straight matches where the lack of Barcelona attack consistently kind of left a hole for Messi to do something great. And every other team expects like they're, they're preparing for him to do something great. Right. And sometimes they can stop it and sometimes they can't. And until Barcelona can figure out some way to consistently dig themselves out of these weird little holes that they get in without Messi doing something great, I don't think they're going to do anything incredibly great in the champions league. And, you know, they might get lucky and because I, I know people have talked about, I can't remember who on the Barcelona side said the gap has closed in La Liga and like it has to some extent, but like, it's still going to be one of these two teams winning. And it's just, it's just a matter of kind of, I don't know, I guess luck of the draw to see who's going to win the league because I think both of them prioritize the champions league still. And so, I don't know. From a big picture Barcelona perspective, until they figure out the the offensive stuff without relying on Messi, I don't see them winning the Champions League. I don't know whether or not that will affect them enough to not win La Liga. Like, I don't know. I guess whoever gets knocked out of the Champions League first, I would say was going to win La Liga. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think you're I think you're right, and I think for Barcelona, it's finding a way to not be so Messi reliant. And I think for Real Madrid, you're right that the defense has been figured out, but we're still looking our second top goal scorer is Rodrigo, 18 year old kid. I think we need more goals from other players, specifically the two guys we brought in to bring in production, obviously Eden Hazard and Luka Jovic right now. Kareem Benzema is just holding that all of that responsibility and God forbid anything happened to him or if his form cools off or whatever it may be. Then I think Real Madrid are in a tough spot because I think they'll struggle to score goals. And that's what you saw that today against Barcelona. Obviously we, we couldn't find the back of the net despite having good control in that first half. And the same thing against Valencia, we dominated the first 30 minutes or so. And just, there was no finding a way through. And um, that's the only thing that makes me a little hesitant on going all in on Madrid. I think they just need to find a way to distribute those goals a little bit more. And so hopefully, hopefully, I mean, Eden Hazard right before his injury was really coming into form. I mean, he played incredible against PSG, against Ibar. Um, and so it was, it was unfortunate to see him get injured. But um, hopefully he can come back into form and then hopefully Luka Jovic can find his feet and start scoring some goals. Yeah, I th- I th- you put that really well because it does feel like with how well the midfield plays, they put them, they put Real Madrid in such a good position to have that one last finishing classy move from either a winger or someone in the midfield. But th- like lacking an attack on the outside seems to have really hurt them because they get in such good positions and then they're left to take either kind of, you know, somewhat not risky risky is not the right word but less opportune chances from outside the box because they don't have that that one last slice to get into the inside of the box and have some sort of close goal or they're just relying on Benzema and like you said if he ever gets hurt or suffers a lack of you know a, a lack of quality um they're really going to hurt to score goals like they've they've scored 33 which is still i think that's still second best in la liga um Val, Villarreal are third that's incredible um but so you know barcelona have scored 43 they're at 33 so it doesn't really like if their defense is going to keep you know only allowing 12 goals thus far if they're going to keep playing that well like they have plenty of time to figure out the offense but like you said like if you're going to spend all that money on guys like Eden Hazard and um 
you know, you just, you have to get some sort of production out of that. Otherwise, like you're, you're just going to be relying on Benzema. And it feels like Benzema is enough for, um, for most matches, but there's going to come a time when he's not able to deliver and you're going to walk away with a draw. Exactly. Yep. yep. So that's about all I had for you. Um, everyone, be sure to check out Managing Madrid. I gave you all a shout out on the podcast um, this week. Incredible Real Madrid coverage. I love I love the consistency you guys have after each match and before each math, match with the coverage. So be sure to check them out. Matt, I appreciate you joining me. Hey, Josh. No, I appreciate the shout out and uh, no problem. Always happy to be on.